0: Had last couple of time, exciting Bible studies. Uh, we had a small Bible study where we, we studied a little bit about uh, uh, Esau and the blessing that came upon Jacob. It was a very powerful study. Never seen that before. I think maybe one of these days you all can go back and study that passage. How the blessing of Esau came upon Jacob. The blessing of the firstborn came upon an undeserved son. Jacob was a, surpl- a deceiver or a supplanter, but the blessing of the, the fruit of the firstborn, the, the blessing of firstborn came upon uh, Jacob. And God is telling us that's a picture of the blessing of Jesus, the firstborn coming on us, you know, out of season, undeserved. And God wants us to take the name of Esau. He came to Jacob saying, I am Esau and got the blessing. So, we come to God saying that we are in Christ Jesus and we receive the blessing. Amen? And we come and receive the blessing and and Rebecca was there plodding him on, saying tell him that you are Esau. The same case as the Holy Spirit constantly pleading with us to say to God, Abba Father, you are my father, you are my father. And then Esau, Esau, uh, Jacob made a very powerful statement and that that pondered with me even after my Bible studies last time. You know, this was saying, he told, come near to me. Let me smell you. <laughs> Same thing what the Father God is telling us. Come, draw near to me. Draw near to me. And let me smell you. Because you want to smell his son, Jesus. Because he was wearing the garments of Esau. Like we are wearing the garments of Yeshua. Right? We don't come in our own righteousness. We come in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So he smells Jesus on us. But he's made a very powerful statement. He says, the smell is Esau's but the voice is Jacob. Right? And he blessed him. So God comes, when he draws near him, he hears us in our voice but he smells Jesus. He still wants your words. He still hears Jacob's words because our confession of our faith is still important. He still wants to hear from us. That we are in Christ Jesus, very powerful, right? So don't walk in your own strength. Walk in the strength of your firstborn of God, the firstborn Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's powerful that we didn't have too much time to dwell on it last time. The curse, the apparent curse that came upon Esau, and the Bible says Esau despised the blessing that Jacob did. In fact, if you go back and study the blessing that came upon Esau, you all know the blessing that came upon Jacob. He said, you will eat the good of the land, the dew of heaven. You should go and read that. Because that's the blessing that we receive in Christ Jesus today. Right? We receive the blessing, the dew of heaven. But the blessing that came on Esau was a very painful blessing. And Esau despised it. But it is the same blessing that Jesus took upon himself. And that blessing, Jesus never despised it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, that's a cup that I will drink. I will bear that sword. My hand, uh, the yoke shall come upon me. You know, all the blessing that Esau despised, Jesus received gladly. That is powerful, right? So Jesus received it gladly and, walk, and fulfillment of that thing. Because he took that, we could receive. Amen? It's powerful, right? So Walk in the blessing of Yeshua, the firstborn son. Walk in that blessing. Very powerful. I mean, the the Old Testament is full of the pictures of Jesus Christ. In every place, it's a picture of Jesus. Picture of Jesus. So today we'll study a very, very beautiful picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. And the title of the message is, Your Opinion of God Matters. Your Opinion of God Matters. I mean, you always think, that's so great. I mean, God is God. He is good, he is nice, I mean, he, he's judge, he judges, he hes against sin, all that. But your opinion of who God is really matters. It sets your course of your life. It's a very powerful concept. Your opinion of God matters. Your opinion of God matters. Let's go back and read uh, Genesis. And today we'll cover up quite a few passages, but hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll close on time by God's grace. Uh, let's take uh, Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three verses f- verses five and six. Now we'll go back to the original concept of the opinion. The first, the first man, Adam, and his wife Eve. Correct. What? Let's start with them. What was their opinion of God? Right? Before man ever sinned, there was an opinion. Right? Before he actually, she gra- went on to grab the fruit and eat it and gave it to her husband. Before that, before even, s- so we call that sin? The Bible says God called Eve and said what have you done correct for the first time he said what have you done that means she did something therefore sin came into the world but even before that act of sin something happened right there was an opinion about God and that's where everything starts everything starts with your opinion of God sin really does not even start with your action it really starts with an opinion and the enemy is trying to change or correct or add An opinion that you have that you that he wants you to have of God that's how he could get you to sin, that's how he could get Adam to sin. But the important thing was he tried to get the opinion. Amen. Let's look at it. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Uh, let's start uh, Genesis chapter three verses one onwards. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to uh, the woman, "Has God indeed said?" Right? We know that he first thought. He put a thought about, "Has God indeed said?" Did what did God first say when God made Adam and Eve? What are the first thing that He said? Anybody? What are the first thing that He said? Correct. Let's look at the, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created male and female he created them. Then He, the first opening words to man was, he, he, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And it says, See, I have given you fruit. Herb, that eel seed which is on the face of the earth, every tree whose fruit eel seed for to you it shall be for food, and on and on. So first he says he says three things. He says be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So he's talking about have reign. Subdue means trample it. That means you you rule over it, and uh, dominion that means you you reign over this place, reign over this. I mean, and then he said be fruitful multiply and fill. I mean, it's all blessing words, right? But immediately the, the enemy comes and says, has God indeed said, you shall, shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the, in the midst of the garden, look at the word midst, just remember that somewhere. In the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor you shall touch it, lest you die. We don't know how much of everything that he said was true, but, uh, but, this essentially saying that then uh, the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Right? First, he, now he contradicts. He just contradicts. You shall not surely die. He tells a lie. That's why God, Jesus, when He was on earth, He said, Your father, Satan, is a father of lies. Remember, what He said, he said You're a father. He's a murderer from the, belief, from the beginning, and He was a liar from the beginning. So, He has two things He was a murderer and a liar. Look at this classic case, right? He immediately lied. He just originated a lie. He's not creative for God knows. Look at it, look at, look at the deception. For God knows, in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. Now, let me ask you a question why did she take the fruit and eat? Just, just your opinion, you just study it, We just read it. Why did she take fruit? Of the, do this, I think to, be wise. to correct your. Uh, she she saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took, so she she felt that this was the tree. This fruit can make her wise, correct. But where did this idea of that she is not wise come from? Did the serpent tell her that she is not wise? Did not. Did not say that she's not wise. She said, What did the serpent say? Look at that. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Didn't God make Adam and Eve like God? He did. So now she makes him, uh, um, him her them doubt whether God really made them in the image of God correct so doubts that number one number two he says God is trying to hide something good from them right isn't that essentially that the thought is that God does not have their best thing in mind that is the root of all sin the root of all sin is God does not have your good in mind it is so subtle It comes in as a God does not want the best for you see your eyes are going to be open and you will be like God and God doesn't want that you see that he he, he, the serpent is not telling that but is essentially saying that God is hiding this fruit from you for a reason because he doesn't want he's afraid God is afraid that your eyes will be open and you will become like God seriously if God could make Adam had, he had no choice in how you make. Like the, we had a baby shower uh, yesterday in our office, so you know, typical baby shower. You make this play dough and you tell everybody to make these little babies, right? So all in our office, we are making babies of different colors. You know, black, orange, blue, green, and, and the kind of babies that came out were like, I mean, <laughs> somewhere like looking like pigs, somewhere like old women. Right? You know, you know, we're all kind. So. so so we were saying that thank God we cannot we, may, we don't make babies. <laughs> you know? they are born to us, you know. I mean, we cannot even make a simple shape. Forget about the internal parts. We can't even, we can't even create a resemblance that looks beautiful. Thank God. I mean, see, God could make them everything. Why would he just not make them wise if he had if he wanted to? But look at the thought process that God is hiding something from me. God does not want the good for me. Right? Sin originated that. Sin originated Your opinion. Did, did their opinion about God matter? It did? It did. Because their actions, eventually their opinion drove their action. Isn't it? Suppose they had an opinion. No, 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 no. My father is good. If it is good for me, I would have already had it. Right? Man! That's it! That's it. I mean, your opinion matters. Your opinion matters. Now look at this. Your opinion matters. So so at the heart of the condition of man is the man's opinion. When I say man, I'm talking about woman, right? I mean, we are created in one. At the heart of your relationship with God is your opinion of God. And it is something that God has been wanting to change for a long time. But it was never at his fault. Remember, everything was good, right? What was hidden from man? Nothing. He gave dominion, the food, he, make over. he actually made him king. Because dominion, the word dominion, is kingship. He made him king over the earth. In fact, then he wanted to uh, make animals. He brought the animals now because he brought it to the king of the earth. He said, name it. Remember the king names, right? You see the king names. King says, you shall be called. In fact, that's why when you go into, like for example, you go to castles, right? They name it after all the knights and kings. When you go to many of these monarch monarch uh, countries which are under monarchy, lot of their streets would be named after the monarch. You know, St George's Castle, St George's uh, Lane. You know, King George's this or Victoria's this fountain. They'll be all named after because. The, they name it because everything belongs to the king. So he's going to name it. The whole country belongs to them. Now the, nowadays, the monarchy—you know—nothing not, really belongs to them, you know, except some press photographers and taking some. <laughs> it's more like a fancy fad. You know, wear a nice crown. You have no power, but just wear it and walk in the middle of the uh, church. You know, I mean, everybody goes there to see a fashion show. Really, I mean, there is really not much power, but. In, Times past, kings had a lot of power. And one of the greatest kings was King Adam. He had a lot of power. So, so at the heart of your relationship was their opinion about God. How, why did they have that opinion? God was good. God was perfect. He was loving. But for some reason, man could not comprehend that God is good. Right? I mean, how could this great God convince Adam and Eve... That he is really good. He has not hidden anything from them. Right? How, how is he going to... Give me an example. Right? Just think about it. Now you are God. Right? You made this whole earth. He filled it up with all the good things. Adam didn't have to do anything. Everything was created. He made Adam not on the first day, second day, third day, fourth day. It did not involve him in creation, lest he be burdened. Correct? I mean, I was telling you. I mean, we can't even make a small plate of baby. I mean, what is, what... What advice are you going to take from a man to make anything? I mean, couldn't make anything. In fact, uh, there was an article yesterday uh, which came out which says they have now scanned 100,000 nearby galaxies. We are not talking about stars. Galaxies. Galaxies like the Milky Way. They have scanned 100,000 galaxies nearby and there is no sign of life. Because their concept is that if life originated by random, there should be just just one chance in thousand. But there are more stars than chances. So say, logic says that there has to be some other. But they say they have just now scanned. They have scanned because there is a concept that they have which calls entropy theory. Which means that there will be less energy if there is intelligent life and civilization. There will be a more uh, thermal signals rather than light signals because more like if, if you look at earth from a distance, you'll see a lot of thermal activity because there is conversion of heat that happens because of manufacturing, because of intelligence, because of stuff. So they have scanned it and they have not seen anything. They have just not seen anything. There's no life out there. There's just, there's just no intelligent life. I mean, the Bible says God made earth to be inhabited, the word the Bible says very clearly. He kind of designed everything for life challenge for God how can you convince this great God that I love you I have not hidden anything from you give me an example how would he do that how would he do that how would he how would he avoid this problem of a wrong opinion of Adam and Eve he made them everything perfect how how can he how can he how can he change their opinion that you know what Not only I have made everything good for you and perfect for you, I have not even hidden any possibility of even less goodness to you. I mean, I have not hidden anything from you. How would he he convince them? It's a challenge, isn't it? What are you going to do? Everything is perfect. How is is he going to convince them that I love you? Everything that I have created is for you. I mean, what what more could he have done? It's a challenge, think about it. It's It's a serious challenge. How would he have avoided Adam and Eve from sinning? Just think about it. I mean, it's a, very, it's a big philosophical question. How does he? Because we just studied that sin came because of a wrong opinion of God, correct? Right? I mean, forget about it. They've not put a tree, put a fruit, they put a box. Let's like, say, don't open the box. You know, they would have gone and opened the box. You know? It is not just about the tree and the fruit. Suddenly the box would have appeared, the most beautiful box that they've ever seen. You know? Sin has a way to capture your imagination, right? <laughs> you know, you look, you look at a woman and who's not your wife and it looks very beautiful. Unless you went and marry her and then the next day you wake up with the head and you're like, I wish I had that other woman, right? You know, sin has a way to make stuff attractive, which it is not. You know, that's why <laughs> I always had a challenge. You know? I always marveled at this. How this the most glamorous heroines and the most glamorous actors in Hollywood get into affairs, and you look at the people that they have affairs with, and I many sometimes and I will Google their looks. Seriously, you went after them when you have such a beautiful wife, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? He goes and has an affair with a housekeeper in his house, and I'm like, okay, does she look very beautiful? I will Google. It. There's something about the need for to go after something that is prohibited, right? Sin as a way to make it more attractive, right? It could be anything. So how does this God convince this man? Hey, I really love you. I've given everything. I've made everything beautiful. Look at this chapter. yes. So essentially, it was a choice between two covenants in the Garden of Eden. It's powerful. You can go back and check it, right? There were two covenants in the middle of the garden. Let's look at where it is. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree... Look at, look at what he said. He made to grow out of the ground every tree... That is pleasant to the sight. Who made it pleasant? God. God. So what looked pleasant was pleasant by God, right? He made pleasant to the sight and good for food. So it was also good for food, right? Okay. What was there? The tree, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Can you see both the trees? How many trees were in the midst of the garden? Do you see the two trees? Look at the word midst. Do you see the word midst? In the midst of the garden there were two trees. The the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There were two covenants that Adam and Eve had a free choice to go and take off. They could eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Or they could eat of the tree of life. They had two choices. Which tree did they first take? They first took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is why it is called the first covenant. See, they ate of the first covenant. That is why the Bible says the first covenant came, brought in sin, the law. Correct? Because they took the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to do it out of their... See, because they want to know, know what is good and evil. They will decide whether we can live by it. See, because now they have to work. Let me ask you a question. Did God finish making stuff... When Adam had created, when God created Adam, did he have finished working? Yes. He did. Because the Bible says, look at verse, uh, uh, John, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse uh, 2. And on the seventh day, God ended from his work that which he had done, right? Okay, let's look at verse 3. Then God blessed the seven days, sanctified it, that means separated it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So he did two things. He he finished creation and he also finished made. Look at the word made. Made is an action, action word. Creation is a creation word. Made is an action word. Something that is all the work was finished. And we, one of our previous lectures, we studied about make. Make it is the word asa, that means he has done, which is hand. There was an asa, that word, there, very, very powerful Hebrew word, which says, "I will do it." God says, "I will do it." You don't have to do it. I will do it, right? So he finished the word created work. He did the created work, and he also finished the work. And we know what that work was: the work of redemption. The Bible says, "The Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world." Remember that. He said, that means even before God had finished making man, God had already sacrificed his son. He was slain. In his mind, he was already slain. Right? That means it was already prepared. Because he knew. He knew it's coming. Correct? He knew. He had already prepared. So the work had already finished. But so, because he had already prepared that, listen to this. This is powerful. Because the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, that is why the tree of life was there in the Eden. Tree of life was a covenant because of the slain lamb from the foundation of the world. At the same time, he also put in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is perfect law. Everything that you want to know, good and evil, you want to be wise on your own strength, and you can do it. Here it is. I'll give you both the covenants and I'll keep it in the middle. You choose. So God gave Adam the choice. You choose. I have given it to you. You choose. You can take off the tree of life. It's not hidden away somewhere. It is in the midst. Correct? Deal. It's a good deal, right? I'm in the midst. I made everything good. I finished everything. You want to eat or go and eat whichever tree you want. So look look at where the enemy is driving him. The enemy is not driving him to eat from the tree of life. Tree of life is Jesus Christ, right? We know it later because he said, I am the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. He said, come to me all who thirst and drink. He, and he told the disciples who, who so, he called the disciples, who so called disciples. They were not believers in Christ Jesus but they were disciples. In the, in the Hebrew, in the time of Jesus, a lot of the rabbis would have disciples, who would follow them. Like Gamaliel would have a disciple. Like uh, Paul was a disciple of Gamaliel. They all had disciples. The Pharisees had their disciples and the Herodians had disciples. So they had a lot of cults and teachings and Sadducees had their disciples. So when Jesus came along, he was like a teacher. That is why many of the Pharisees came to Jesus saying, Rabbi, 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 Rabbi. Nicodemus went to Jesus saying, Rabbi. Right? Because they wanted to become disciples of this teacher. Means they, they wanted to do what Jesus can do. So Jesus at one point turned around and told the disciples, it's If you want to be my disciples, you have to leave your father and mother and forsake everything and follow me. What what is he trying to say? You cannot do what I am doing. What is Jesus doing? He left his father and came down and paid the price. Correct? And he says, nobody can do what I am doing. So we take that huge demand that Jesus had and put, put it on the believers. I mean, he is not talking about the believers in Christ Jesus, because to the Samaritan woman, he never said, leave everything, follow me. He is talking about the disciples who want to imitate Jesus, but not want to receive him. Very powerful. We should, uh, we should study that, we will read that. Because you cannot, you, you cannot imitate Jesus. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot imitate his love that he has for you. You cannot, you just cannot, it's impossible. You are going to fail, Right? See, it's a challenge of two covenants that you're always having. The challenge of, you can do it on your own strength, or do you receive my son Jesus Christ? Right? He said, the two covenants. So he went and ate of the covenant of tree of knowledge of good and evil. Guess what? Immediately what what happened? Immediately what happened? Guess what? The moment they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happened? Let's read this. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. He also gave it to her husband with her, with her, with her, with her. So where was Adam standing? With her! With her. <laughs> you know? So we always think that Mrs. Eve went slyly in a corner and looked at the fruit and... <laughs> Maybe we just had a dumb husband there, <laughs> But he just didn't speak. Remember he's king. He has rule over every creeping thing. Is this guy creeping? Not yet. He's eventually going to creep, right? But he had power over all the beasts of the earth, and serpent was a beast of the earth. He had authority over this beast, but he was with him; didn't say anything. He said, and he also gave it to the husband with her, and he, and he ate. Okay, both ate. Verse seven. Now the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. And look at the word "and." What does it say? They sewed uh, fig leaves together and made, and made themselves coverings. Wow. So what <laughs> word suddenly got introduced? They made. Who finished making? God. God. See in this covenant, it is not a covenant of rest. You have to strive. You have to make. So they have to now make their own salvation. Correct? They have to cover their nakedness. They have to cover. The Bible doesn't even call it clothing. The Bible calls it coverings. That means it was not fully covering it. And they have to cover it with fig leaves. That means of the trees that were around them. Not not even something that will last two days. So it is not even an eternal covering. It's a covering. They realized that they were naked. So you see, now the moment they ate of this covenant, of this, the first covenant, the covenant that be, they, it became first, why did it become the first covenant? Simply because they ate of it. They just chose that first covenant. They chose that first covenant. They chose it, therefore it became a first, first covenant. And because they ate, they had to start making their salvation. See, now they had to become gods. You see the difference? Now they had to make their garments. They have to do that. Guess what? It's powerful, right? If you go back, I was reading this today, yesterday, and today. You see, the effect of sin, if you start looking at the immediately they ate the fruit and look at the stuff that happened, I'm going to read out stuff that happened in words and numbers, okay? And you can count it, right? Immediately, fear. The Bible says they were afraid, right? I heard the voice of the Lord and I was afraid, right? The first time fear is mentioned immediately. Look at the look at all that happens when you eat of this covenant, this covenant where you can do your own stuff, you can make it happen, right? He said fear. Second, nakedness. Third, hiding. Look at all the look at the evil that just comes in like a flood. Fear, nakedness, hiding, accusation. Adam is now accusing Eve. Accusation number three, deception. Eve is telling that Satan deceived her. Curse. Satan is now under uh, under a curse. Dust, enmity, bruising, sorrow. Pain, Subjection, Toil, Thorns, Thistles, Herbs, Sweat, Death. <laughs> just, he ate the fruit and the, the fruit of the law. The law just unleashed death in all its power. And guess how many items are these? Did he count? Okay, do you want to count again? Okay, let's do it. Fear, Nakedness, Hiding, Acquisition, Deception, Curse. Dust, enmity, bruising, sorrow, pain, subjection, toil, thorns, thistles, herbs, sweat, death. Do we start again? (laughs) Eighteen. Why eighteen? Six, six, six. The full manifestation of man. Eighteen that is man's effort at justification brings forth 18 666 to sign the ma- number of a man so any time you try to justify yourself see look at the last time bible studying m- 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 the big life team was stop deserving correct remember we studied that stop deserving if you want to if you want to benefit out of your walk in christ jesus stop deserving. like the centurion Who sent out the people to Jesus and He said, Told Jesus, I don't deserve, don't even come to my house, just say the word. But before that, there were rulers who came to Jesus, and rulers are from the house of Israel. Look at their mindset, they are eating from the law. Look at their mindset. How the same words, look at it. Lord, He is built for us a synagogue. He is deserving. He this look at it! Look at We deserve, he deserves the son to be, and guess what, no miracle happens. The moment the centurion goes and says, I do not deserve, the word goes forth and God, Jesus says, you have great faith, I have not seen like Israel, right? Stop deserving as a believer. Like what we do is, we, we come to Jesus because we cannot, we cannot get salvation on our own strength, but having been saved, now we start depending on what we deserve to get along in life. Now we need to work out. salvation. (laughs) So we that's a misunderstood quote because the Bible says it is he who works in us. Correct? It's a wrong understanding because it is he who works in us. That means you cannot work it out. You have to come to God saying, Lord I do not deserve, I'm going to walk in your undeserved favor. Hallelujah! I'm going to eat of your tree of life freely. That's why the Bible says in Genesis chapter uh, 2 he says uh, Genesis chapter two, he says, uh, verse sixteen of the Lord commanded the man. Says of every tree of the garden, you may what eat? Freely eat. I'm telling you, the word freely is so powerful. It has something that we as we, we as people, as believers and un- unbelievers, we're just not used to it. For some reason in our in our DNA is there that hey. If it's too good, it cannot be true. And that is that 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 statement is from hell. If it's too good, it's true. It's not true, it's from hell. Because the the truest and the most goodest thing was free. The truest and the goodest thing, I don't know if there's a word called goodest. No, right? I don't know what English has to get a better word, but is free. It's free. That is why one of the first things that Jesus did in his ministry is went into the temple and throughout the money changes he says my house shall not be a house of thieves and a den of thieves but it shall be a house of prayer. That means you cannot come into my temple and purchase. It will be a place of prayer. That means it will be a place where you just ask. It means to receive you have to just ask. You cannot exchange that means you cannot come into my house and take and purchase my salvation you got it that's why he you always wonder why did he throw out the because he's using the word that in my house you cannot you there's no transaction in my house you cannot transact that's why in Malachi, remember that powerful passage we were studying last time Malachi is a misunderstood passage Malachi chapter 3 it says uh you are you have robbed me in this remember he says You have robbed me. In what? He says, in tithes and offerings. Ah, hold it. Is God after your money? No. In that passage, he's talking about this. You're trying to... Because remember the Pharisees and the... uh, uh, In the time of Jesus, they used to tithe of every mint and rue. Guys, they would not only just tithe on their gross income, they would tithe on their dinner plate. What's on their dinner plate? That means if they had... Corridor leaves on their dinner plate, they would take a tenth of it and keep it on the side. If Malachi is talking about that tithe, he's not talking about that tithe. He says, you're a den of thieves. Because you're giving me all these external things, but I want you. Righteous offering, that means I want you completely clean. He's talking about you being in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ Jesus, all your efforts are like robbery to God. That's why you, you come outside of Jesus and come with a goat or a sheep or something. And God, God says, It doesn't, I, I just don't, I don't care for that. Come to me. Remember, we said, Come to me in my son Jesus Christ. Come to me in my son. Is, take words with you and come. Remember Esau's story? Take, your, take words. Jacob is coming to, uh, Jacob is coming to, Isaac and saying, uh, Jacob is coming to Isaac and saying, I'm Esau, I'm the firstborn. I'm firstborn. So take words with you and come. You want to, you want to be blessed in this covenant? You have to come in Jesus' name. You see that Bible? That's why Jesus said, in my name. You see that? It's a connotation that from, like Jacob came in Esau's name to Isaac and received the blessing. You see the picture? Come in my son's name. Doesn't mean that he doesn't know who is coming. He's not deceived. Isaac was deceived because his eyes were blind. But the God of heaven is a father with open eyes. He receives you. Open eyes, he receives you. And look at this part. So, one so, so, so question. What does this verse 7 mean then? Then the eyes of both of them were open. Does it mean they were closed before? Yeah, they their eyes were open to see good and evil. Correct? Because they. Remember, their eyes, uh, their eyes were close to good and evil, because God wanted their eyes on what? On the tree of life. See, when the moment their eyes went off Jesus, they wanted. They actually never had their eyes on Jesus. So, if they had their eyes on Jesus, they would have eaten of Jesus, correct? Because they never had the eyes of Jesus. Their eyes were open to the law, and their eyes were open to the law. And what did the law do to them? The law? The law condemned them. The law condemned them. Let's go to Romans chapter. Let's go to Romans chapter. Because you're a mature group. So hopefully you all can take in them. Because it's very important for you to understand. Because you're leaders, leaders. Romans. Okay. Let's look at. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 verse 17. And he's talking to the Jews right now. First he talks to the Gentiles and then he tells to the Jews. Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God. Look at them. They are eating of the covenant. And know his will and approve of the things that are excellent and are confident and keep he keeps on reading. And then he keeps reading, it says what? Look at verse uh, Romans chapter 3. Verse 19. And we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Look at that. What does it do? Verse 20. Therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of? No, sin. Do you see that? Okay, read that again. Romans chapter three, verse nineteen. We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that by, that every mouth may be stopped. That means nobody can say that I am justified in the law. Every mouth is stopped. Every mouth. Every mouth. Every mouth is stopped, and every and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, that by doing stuff under the law, no flesh will be justified in a sight. For by the law is the knowledge. Of sin. But look at verse 21. But now a righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. He's talking about the tree of life. See, the tree of life was next to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says that was what he had to take it. But by the by the, the moment he ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he, their mouth was stopped and they became guilty. Correct? You see the condemnation that flowed in, we just talked about. The first thing that happened was they saw themselves as... The first thing. Their eyes were open and they were... The first, Just look at it. The first thing. Even before death, the implications of death and black and thorns and thistles and sorrow and pain and curse and bruising. We just read out 18 effects of eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Even before that, when the first thing that happened, the first... The domino that fell was, they saw themselves naked. The first thing that happens when you eat of the covenant, of the first covenant is, you become condemned, self condemned. Nobody condemned them. Nor did God tell them that they are naked. The Bible says, right? Look at them. They hid themselves. Who hid themselves? Nobody. Not even the serpent. Even the serpent. Even the serpent did not tell them that they were naked. But they condemned themselves. Because by the law they become guilty immediately. So when you are unchrist christ Jesus, if you try to go under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, anytime you go to it, you get slapped. You see, every time it flo- you say you fall short. That is why when the rich young man came to Jesus, he came to eat of He did not come to eat of Jesus. When the rich young man came to Jesus, he came boasting in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Remember what he said? All these things I have kept from my youth. Correct? So was his mouth stopped by Jesus asking just one question. He said, okay. He didn't say that you have said rightly. Like to the Samaritan woman when she said that the one I am living with you is not my husband. Jesus said you have spoken rightly. Correct? Because she was doing something too evil, but yet God attested to it that she, uh, Jesus attested that you have said something rightly, that you have confessed that it is, you didn't, she doesn't say it's wrong, but she says that you are But to the rich young man, young woman, she never said, oh, I know you, you kept it all right from the priest. He never said that. But he, he just asked him to see. He loved him. He loved him and said, Sell all that you have and follow me. Why? He, why did he not tell uh, the ta- um, Matthew the tax collector to sell all and follow me? Why did he not tell Zacchus to sell all and follow me? He didn't sell everywhere to sell. Peter still had a house and a mother-in-law. He didn't sell. Why? Why did he sell that, tell that guy to sell all and follow me? Why? Because his boast was in the law. But the law is going to show you up. It's only a matter of when Jesus comes up. Till Jesus came, the Pharisees kind of kept the law. They felt that they had it all together. Until Jesus came, and the Sermon on the Mount is a total expose of their hypocrisy. And he says, you don't commit adultery, but you lust in your heart. You do not uh, hate your brother, you do not murder anybody, but you hate your brother. You see? Until Jesus came. So Jesus exalted the law. That's why Jesus said everything will be fulfilled, because he fulfilled it. it it, So, what happened? He said, sell everything and follow. The rich young man went back. Right? The Bible says he went back because he had great riches. So, was his mouth stopped? Did did his mouth stop? Did he he say anything more to Jesus? Because the law will stop your mouth. The law will stop your post. You You cannot come to God saying, I deserve stuff. You cannot come to God saying, I deserve stuff. So, so one of the biggest challenges for many believers you know, not receive stuff easy stuff that should have been very easy for them is because in that area they, there is pride in what they have accomplished they are waiting to deserve it I deserve this promotion because I've worked for it you know I, I deserve this money because I've I've been smart at my investing. you know I, I, I'm depending on my Efforts, I think. I mean, like the centurion guy, who's like Jesus walking to the centurion house. As long as Jesus is hearing, this man is deserving. This man has built a synagogue. This man loves Israel. This man. There is no miracle. He's still walking until the word comes saying, "Lord, you are not. I'm not even worthy for you to walk into my house." The moment he said that moment he said that his miracle happened so the miracle which was delayed happened immediately when he came under the covenant of life of grace of undeserved favor you see that thing? So what I'm saying is bring yourself under that come under that don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right come under that so there is this two covenant. I don't think we have, there's so much stuff to go today. I don't think we'll have the time. So, we're going to take a very small part so that we can make it concise and we can understand that. Okay? So you got that thing? Okay, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. So, they made themselves coverings, and he heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve uh, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And he called her. where are you? And he, I, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. For the first time, now man is starting to be afraid of the voice of God. For the first time, man is now being afraid of the voice of God. You see, that, that has continued. That's continued. Throughout the Bible, man afraid of the presence of God, man afraid of the voice of God. Man, what is man afraid of? When man is afraid of the sound of God, what was man really afraid of? What is he afraid of? Correct! He's afraid of judgment from this great God. Correct? Did you see that? He's really afraid of judgment. He's afraid of judgment when he's. A... How does God solve this problem of judgment? How does God prove to man and Eve, Adam and Eve that he really truly loves man and he does not want to judge them? It's hard. You know, it's like a it's like a cat who's been beaten, and you know, that, you, know you know, there are some pets that have been abused badly. And you bring these pets into the house and you sometimes you touch that pet, what happens? Yeah? They will and you Why? Because it's a cat that has been abused. So anytime, and you are like, poppy, well, people, puppy, come here, but no, they, they don't want, they don't want, they don't want have nothing to do with a, somebody called man. They're same case. Because they have been they feel so abused and judged by themselves about how bad and evil this great God is, they don't have anything to do with this God. And, and how does God solve this problem? How does it's like an abused animal that doesn't want to come to you? How do you make it aware that He truly loves us? Okay, very interesting. Very very powerful. I will we'll, we'll, leave it hanging. And you know the, how Jesus saw, God solves that problem. You know ultimately how He does it. Okay, But look at it next one. So I am going to jump towards the thing. We forgot about the curses and finally... Hey, by the way. Do you know the mystery of the church is immediately mentioned when God created Adam and Eve? Adam. The church is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2 in His creation. And it's powerful. You should go and read it. The Bible says, in uh, since we are going here, let's do that quickly. Uh, look at uh, Genesis chapter two, verses twenty-one. Now the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Okay, okay, I'm going to I'm going to do the parallel and. explain. You see the you see the mystery there, right? Who who went into a deep sleep and the church came out? Jesus Christ. So when Jesus died is when the church never came out until Jesus died, correct? Jesus slept. God the Father created the church, correct? And look at the verse. He created. He went to sleep. He, the church came. And, it, and what did God use to create the church? A rib of Adam. Why did he take the rib of Adam? We always wondered why did he take Adam's rib? Because he's really not about Adam's rib. He is. It's a mystery of the church that is going to come out. Even the Jew, the Hebrews didn't know this. The Jews didn't know about this church thing. It's a mystery, never expounded in the Old Testament, but hidden beautifully in this Genesis creation. He, because when, only when his son comes, could God take a part of the son and create it. That is why we are called the body. Of Christ the church is called the body of Christ because we are made of the side of Christ right God created out of this new man Adam the righteous man God created a church right so we are of the body that's why Jesus says don't touch my body right because he who touches the church of God touches Jesus because it's one body it's not about Adam and Eve okay let's read it's exciting he closed up the flesh in its place Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made it into a woman, which is the church, and he brought her to whom? To the man! So God creates the church and God brings the church back to Jesus. Will the church go back to Jesus? Hallelujah! Right now, it's going to be... Right now, it is not with Jesus. We are in Jesus, but still not... Physically, Jesus is there, but we are there. But he's going to bring us back to him. That is why the church is raised up, right? In the rapture, and we go to be with Jesus. Look at, look at this next one. And Adam, look at Adam says, Look at Adam. Adam is type of Jesus, correct? Yep, it's a picture. This is now born of my womb. The flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman because she's taken out of a man. <clears throat> Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So Jesus left his father in heaven and is now joined to his bride. And they shall become one flesh. We are one in Christ Jesus. Correct? That's why the Bible is very big on oneness. Why? Because we are one as just like Adam and Eve are one. Okay. And look at verse 25. They were both naked and the man and his wife and they were not ashamed. Because in Christ Jesus we are not ashamed at all. We are not dismayed. We are not without fear. We are complete in Christ Jesus. Okay. Very powerful. Go back to uh, John chapter... uh, John chapter... Okay. What did he call... What did... uh, uh, Why did God create Eve? What is the word that God created? uh, Verse 18. And the Lord said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a... Helper. Comparable to... Him. Who else is called a Helper? And where does the Holy Spirit reside now? Within Within us. With the bride. So the Helper in us, the Bible sees us as the Holy Spirit in the church is the Helper. The same word. You see the mystery that is hidden? So the Holy Spirit resides in the church, still calls a Helper. And therefore, so are we a Helper to Jesus Christ? Yes, the helper resides in the church. And when we are joined together, we are the helper of Jesus. Hallelujah. We are helper is in Christ Jesus, in the church. That's why the helper is not in Adam. The helper is in the church. You see the thing? Okay, great. You go back to uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians five, verses 22 to 33. Okay, this is about the wife and husbands, But I want you to go quickly there. Look at verse 30. For we are members of his body. Look at the word. Members of his body. Because we are the rib. Right? Of flesh. Of his flesh and of his bones. We see the same word here. Adam says he's the flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones, correct? So the same church, same word, isn't it? Same word and look at what it says. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and two shall become flesh. And what does Paul say about it? He's not talking about marriage. Verse 32, this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and his church. Who is telling that this thing that God in Genesis is written is not about man and wife, it's about? Christ and his church. Really, marriage is a mystery that God had created on the earth because he is talking, he's hidden this whole mystery about church coming out of Jesus Christ one day. It's totally hidden. But it is hidden. Okay, I want you to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 16. John chapter. I'm telling you why it is important because once you know that you are. In Christ Jesus and you are part of Christ, you have no fear. You have no fear. Can you believe? You, do, do you get up in the morning and say, what stupid foot that I have? What stupid hand that I have? What a foolish head you are? You know, do you say like that to your body? I mean there are some people who say stuff. What I'm saying is, do you ever say that? I mean, or, or, or like, do you call this part uh, David and this part Anil? No. Both are anal. The hand, the leg, the intestine, the good part, the bad part, everything is anal, correct? I mean, when I touch your buttocks, do I call you? I'm touching. I'm not touching. You know, some something else? No. I'm everything is you. Everything is you. I am mean, your hand, your head. So we are the body of Jesus Christ. I mean, we are very confident in Christ Jesus. John chapter 14 verses 16. Okay, try with John chapter 14 verses 16. I think I got the wrong verse, but A different verse, but, but we'll, we'll talk about it, okay? But the, so that is the mystery of the church. So let's go back to Genesis, okay? By the way, in the Bible, the Bible says, the God Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and when 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 I go, I'll come and we will come to you, and we will come, I'll come. The Bible says, Me and my father will come with you, and you shall be with me. You see that picture that we are supposed to be joined back, so we are now with Christ Jesus. Though not physically, but we are in Christ Jesus. But even that union is going to become complete. That's going to happen. So in in the meantime, we have the helper with us. I want to go to Genesis again. Something very powerful again. Genesis chapter 3. And then verse 22. Behold the man... uh, Verse 21. And also for Adam and... And his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Look at the word cloth. The previous one was coverings but this one is clothed. You see the difference? Because coverings could not cover them but our clothing completely covered them. Correct? When Jesus God did his work in Christ Jesus he completely clothed us. Let's look at this. Then the Lord said behold the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and he can live forever. Look at the word, lest also he take, put out his hand. See, God doesn't want you to not put out your hand. See, because put out a hand is a work that Christ, God has done in Christ Jesus. Remember Isaiah chapter 53, how does it open up? To whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? You see? See the arm of the Lord is the one that brings salvation. In fact when uh, Israel uh, crossed the Red Sea, the song that Moses sang talks a lot about by the arm of the Lord. The arm of the Lord. The right arm of the Lord. And he praises the right arm of the Lord. Because remember when Moses was standing at the Red Sea and complaining, not complaining, he's like crying out, God said lift up the rod and raise your hand. Because lift up is lift up Christ because the Bible says just Moses lifted up the servant, the same word lifted up in in the Hebrew when they, were, when they meant the Bible says Jesus said to Nicodemus, as the serpent is lifted up, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, when they've heard the word lifted up, we all knew what it meant because it was a double meaning. In those days when you say, you know what you're going to be lifted up means what? It was a no- common colloquial language of you will be crucified. In fact, they knew when the word says you will be lifted up means you are going to be crucified. Like, it, like you would use a word right now. Hey, when I go to hit the bucket. You know? I mean, that's a normal language. It's not really not like i not going to go home and get a water and hit the bucket, right? I mean, it, it was a common use word that you would be lifted up means be crucified. He said, when the rod was lifted up, it was Christ Jesus. And he says, lift up your hand. It was by the hand of Jesus. By the hand of Jesus. So by the hand of Jesus. And look at this. He says, lest he put out his hand. That means now don't depend on your strength. Because now you are, now you are not righteous. Correct? Now you are not righteous. Now if you try. An unrighteous man. Trying to depend on his own work. Tries to put out his hand and take off the tree of life, what happens? Look at what it says. Therefore, verse 22, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground from which he had taken, and he drew out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flame of sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Why did God put cherubim out there? Cherubims are these... Huge living creatures with four heads, you know the four heads it is the four gospels Jesus pictured in the four gospels Matthew he pictured him as a as a king as a as a king so the one of the uh, living creatures, his face was like a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king the second matthew mark Mark pictured him as a servant so one of the faces of the living creature was an ox, right? Like a servant who would work tirelessly for you. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke was portrayed him as a son of man. Remember the Bible says son of man, son of man, son of man. Therefore one of the faces of the living creature is a man. And finally, the, 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 um, John portrayed him as God, somebody who came down from heaven. And the fourth face of the living creature was an eagle who comes down from heaven who flies at the highest level you see and in the same sequence Matthew Mark Luke and John the four living creatures so these cherubim are these four faces of this holy God and they are both guarding this tree of life why and they have the sword of righteous of judgment Nobody can come. So any man who's trying to depend on his own, that's why the Bible says, lest he put out his hand, guess what? What is it happens? What happens when you tries to put out hand? What happens? Star Wars. Completely de- disseminated. He will be completely wiped out. He will be destroyed. Because you, you would come against what? If you come to the tree of life now, for your righteousness. With your righteousness. And you want to eat of this tree, what will happen? You will be judged. You will face the judgment of God severely. 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 So God has his problem. He wants man. Now, he already loved God, man. He already loved you. But he could not... How would he explain to a man, when he made everything good, that he loves God. Loves man. God had... It was difficult. That's why, that's why the title of the message today is Your Opinion of God Matters. Adam's opinion and his opinion was God is hiding something from them. There's an evil opinion, something evil. And, and how does this great God show to Adam and Eve that he loves them? How does he show it? It's a challenge. He asked this question at the beginning of the session. How does he tell it? So we have no choice. But now, it, now it's even worse. Now man has gone ahead and sinned. And now God wants him to live forever, to have eternal life. But he cannot do it now because now he's judge. He's a judge. A ju- the Bible. Abraham said to uh, uh, God, "Will the judge of all the earth not do right?" Look at that. Because everybody is watching God. Everybody is watching. You cannot just allow them to eat of the tree of life now. I mean, how can he do it? You are God. You are righteous. How does he? How does he even deserve it? There's no way. So the cherubims are there with flaming swords, ready to kill and destroy. And you know, when you study Genesis, you see that, you know, of a tough God, a God that is driving man out. I'm telling you, God, in his mercy, is driving man out. It's like a father telling his son, son, don't come here. Don't come here. There is fire here. There is heavy traffic. Stay away from this highway. Don't come. Stay there. No, no, daddy, daddy, there's an ice cream truck there. no 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 don't come you see that it's a loving father driving his son out father, he says, don't come close don't come close you will get killed you'll get killed so how does god solve this problem you know this 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 garden picture this garden picture of eden picture is 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 the throne room of god it is the ark of the covenant it is exactly the ark of the covenant you have you seen the ark of the covenant pictures of the Ark of the Covenant, the the mercy seat on the top, the box which is golden completely. What is inside the Ark? The two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments written written on both sides. What else? A pot of manna which talks about the murmuring and the rod of Aaron that blossomed because when they murmured against God's leadership, uh, God-appointed leadership, they murmured and God said the rod of Aaron will blossom and show that he's... So the uh, the pot of manna and the rod of Aaron re- reminds Israel of rebellion and murmuring, correct? And th- with that is the Ten Commandments because they are breaking all the laws. It's a reminder of that, uh, the judgment of God, this, there. And above, the, it's closed with a mercy seat, correct? On the top of the mercy seat is the high priest sprinkles the, the blood. Over the blood... Uh, over the mercy seat is where God appears in the Holy of Holies. He doesn't appear uh, inside the ark, he doesn't appear outside, he just appears between the cherubim above the mercy seat. It's very clear, the Bible is all clear. The, the, the glory of God appears here. So it appears in the midst, in the midst, in the middle, between the cherubim. There is God. So who is between the cherubim here? What's it? The tree tree of life. Remember the two cherubims? The two cherubims are guarding the tree of life. Facing every way with the tree of life. So that's where God is. Isn't that where the tree The tree of life. We we said both the covenants were in the garden of Eden. The tree of life which is Jesus and the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What? The ten commandments. The law, the covenant was. So in the ark, around the cherubim, there are both. The tree of life, which is Jesus, and the co- the, uh, the first covenant, correct? The knowledge of good and evil, both are there, correct? Both are there. It's in the garden. You see the difference? Both are in the midst. So man had a choice whether to eat of this tree or this tree, Correct? God wants you to eat of the tree of life, but he cannot approach this tree, because what is is against them? What is against them? The cherubims are against them with the judgment. What judgment? Of the knowledge of good and evil. Which is constantly reminding them that they are guilty before God. See, now the ark is open. That's why many times in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, you see many times people who peeped into the ark, who touched the ark. What happens to them? And you always wanted that's a very unusual punishment for somebody touching a furniture box, right? I mean, very unusual punishment, right? But it is not a furniture box. It is the presence of God and his judgment of God. And he's saying, I can keep it. Anytime you approach the law, you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged. You touch it. So God wanted a way for man to access this tree of life, but without touching the judgment of God. How does he do it? We know how he does it, right? How does he do it? He does it by the sprinkling of the blood on the mercy seat. So guess what? That's why the high priest used to come and put the blood on the mercy seat. Why? Because now God, the angels, the cherubim are, who are judging are not seeing their rebellion inside the ark. They are seeing what? They are seeing the blood of Jesus Christ. It's just When, when, when the cherubim sees blood, what, what, what are they thinking? Correct. Somebody has been slaughtered. When blood is shed, they are saying that judge, somebody has been judged. Correct? It's been shed. Somebody has died. Somebody has died. That means, hey, we can relax. Chill. Everybody chill. Judgment has, Somebody has died. So judgment has been made. Judgment has been made. God's anger has been satisfied. Correct. I was reading. The, I was listening to this documentary the other day, and I don't know how many of you saw that. It was this, uh, this, uh, uh, this Nazi camp in uh, Poland. Did you, see, did you see that? This, um, uh, this. Th- there were only two concentration camps during the Hitler's time where uh, the Jews actually, a few Jews, actually escaped out from the concentration camp. It's a powerful documentary of living. There were these. Uh, they were interviewing this survivors from this uh, nazi concentration camp who actually escaped can you believe they escaped out from the concentration camp you should listen to the story I mean, we just watched it the other day just it's very powerful and how they did was very interesting this was a, a, a concentration camp called sobibor you can google it uh, it's on wikipedia and you can see sobibor in poland around 1943 200,000 Jews. They estimate about 200 to 250,000 Jews were gassed in that concentration. Camp. And the way they would gas it is, same thing. They would tell them to all strip down, go to a chamber, and they connected that gas chamber to a diesel engine with the exhaust running into the uh, room and kill them with carbon monoxide. And they would bring in batch by batch. And nobody knew that they are getting killed. They were told that they need to be cleaned and sanitized to go to work. And they would kill this. Continuously. Continuously. Right? So in this camp, a group of Jews, uh, or some Russian uh, uh, prisoner of war Jews who had come in and they all planned. The their, their news went out that this camp is going to be shut down. And, and they know that whenever a concentration camp is shut down, they just kill everybody. So, the news went out, they're going to sh- uh, kill everybody, so they're going to shut it down. So, they start planning and a few of the Jews, they plan to kill SS guards secretly, one after the other. Because they would, do, they would be working in the tailor shop, they, it's a beautiful documentary, they showed all this, powerful. They, they started killing about five, six SS guards one day, they decided that they, they, they killed a bunch. By the time they could kill all of them, SS guards, the, the news went out and the guards started shooting. So six hundred uh, uh, Nazi uh, Jews they started running towards the fence because now they were sup- they were supposed to go out from the main gate but now they couldn't do anything. The plot is on. They started to shoot and they started. There's this is huge barbed wires, correct? And they're they're pushing against the barbed wire. The barbed wires won't fall because these are powerful set and these guys are shooting from the back. So lot of them get killed. Three hundred of them. Finally, they, finally they, the, the barbed wire fence fall. And this is from a witness, a guy who actually survived this. So he said, a lot of them, they felt it and they finally started running across the uh, field. Guess what? What is outside the concentration camp? Minefields. They all started blowing up. So 600 people went, went out. They started. escaped out. 300 people got blown up by minefields outside. Right? So this guy, he's telling the story. Elderly guy, elderly Jewish. This guy, while he while he heard the gun started going, he said, and this is what he said, Lord, let me live. He said that, right? He said, Lord, let me live. Right? And he stood at the thing, and he, he's all, everybody's pushing against him. They push him, and he gets stuck between the barbed wire and the fence. And everybody runs over him and goes onto the field. And he's stuck. So now he's going to get killed, correct? But guess what happens? As people went over him into the minefield, the minefield started blowing. And finally he got up, and he walked (coughs) confidently across the minefield. Why? Because all the minefields were blown up by these people who went ahead. And he escaped into the forest. And out of 600 people, 300 people escaped. Out of 300, they sent search parties and caught bulk of them. Only 30, 60 people finally escaped and survived after all that. And two days after that, they shut down the whole uh, Nazi war camp. They leveled it and planted pine trees. Until today in Poland, there are pine trees and there's a memorial there. Because they didn't want the, the news to go out that there's a concentration camp. The powerful, but the picture is what. The picture is that somebody had to take, blow up that minefield for the, him to escape. See that cherubim. Somebody had to bear the sword of the cherubim guarding the tree of life, and it was Jesus. He said, "I will go ahead. I will go and pay the price. I will go and bear the brunt of it." That is why the Bible says Jesus said, "And we don't have time to go for it." it says the Bible says. Jesus says, My father accuses. Oh, this is Jesus' words. I don't know whether you have ever read this. John chapter. John is powerful. Jesus' own words about his father. He says, John says, My father accuses no one but has committed our judgment to the son. You can read that word committed judgment to the son in two ways, right? One thing is, yes, he is going to finally come and judge. The other means that the father now doesn't accuse anybody because he has judged his son. He sees his judge, son judged. So what I'm saying is when right now we don't have to fear the sound of God. We don't have to fear the sound of God. That's why John says if anyone is in Christ Jesus, if the seed of Christ remains in him, he does not sin. Because God has put away sin once for all. He's done with sin. He's done with sin. He's done with shame. He's done with shame in your life. You can walk confidently into the Father's arms right now. For every need, for every need, for every need. I want you to go to quickly together this. For the first time, God had this challenge. God never used the word love when he mentioned about his relationship with man. Because he wouldn't, it's easy to say, I love you, I love chocolate, I love mango, I love Milo. You know, (laughs) because the word love in English has Many different meanings, correct? It doesn't bring the full intensity of how much I love him. I mean, but it's for easy, for God, it is... is, is it's, if a man, is very easy to say, I love this, I love that. But for God to say love, it has to mean something. How does God say, tell man that he loves him? The way he did that was in the parable of Abraham and Isaac. That's, that was really a parable. That was really a parable. And I want you to see a few thoughts about it, and then we'll close. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. The love, the first mention of love in Genesis, in the Bible. First mention of love. Genesis chapter 2. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Very few places. One of the only places that said God tested. God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take now. Look at the words. Look at the words. And I want you to write it. Take now your your son, number one, number two, your only son, number two, whom you love, number three, to the land of Moriah, number four, and offer him as a burnt sack offering, number five, on on the mountains, on one of the mountains, number six, and I, there I shall tell you, number seven. Seven distinct instructions of God about Abraham, about his son. What was these instructions really? Let's look at the first one. Take now your son. I, I understand that. Your only son. But that doesn't make sense. I, Abraham had Ishmael. He also had Isaac. So obviously, God is not, not talking about Abraham and his son. He has some, somebody else in mind, correct? Yeah. He has somebody else in mind. Because it's a parable. Remember, just like the marriage was hidden in Genesis? He's hiding the picture of Jesus becoming, blowing up the minefields for you. He's, he's hiding it. He's, he has to show how much he loves Adam and Eve. There's no way. He had to wait, wait, wait. Generations till a man came. Who would even obey him. For him to show how much he loves man. See, this passage is not about how much Abraham loves God. And I will show it to you. I mean, this is the first time I saw it. I, this is the first time I saw it. That it is not about Abraham loving God. It's not about Abraham loving God. It's about how much God loves His son Jesus and how much he loves you. Look at this. First one. Take now your son. Your only son. So obviously it's not about Abraham. There's somebody else in the picture. His only son. Isaac. Whom you love. You love. To the land of Moriah. The land of Moriah is. Moriah means in this land it shall be seen. Moriah. Yah is God. Moriah shall see. In this land you shall see it. So, in in which land did the sacrifice happen? In the land of Moriah, which is the land of Israel, in Jerusalem, which is the land of Moriah, in that land. And offer him as a burnt offering. So, it had to be a burnt offering, that means the offering had to be burnt by judgment, correct? Completely. On one of the mountains, did it happen on a mountain? Jesus died? On a mountain, correct? And which, I shall tell you, did God say "Eh," that it will happen on that mountain? He did. He prophesied it. Okay? And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took up two of his men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood. Can you see the word split? Look at the picture of the cross. He took one wood and he split it. So it became the cross. Correct? Split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place which God had told him. And guess what? Verse 4. On the third day, You see the third day? On the third day. Why on the third day? Look at this verse. This verse is prophetic. This verse is a mystery. This verse is a parable. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. What is he talking about? God showed Abraham the sacrifice of his son far in his future. How do I know this? Let's see whether the Bible uses the same word later. Let's go to um, John chapter John chapter 8 verse 56. Can you go there? John chapter 8 John chapter 8 verse John chapter 8 John chapter 8, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. See that? He saw far. Okay, one more verse, Uh, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 He's talking about Abraham Hebrews chapter 11 verses 13 and he's talking about Abraham verse 8 on us by faith Abraham obeyed and he called and it keeps going on verse 13 They these all died in faith he's talking about Abraham and Sarah these all died in faith not having received the promises but having what? seen them, afar. Seen them far off see the word? See, the Holy Spirit uses the word... Why would the Holy Spirit use the same word about Abraham? Same word! He saw the pro- Having seen them far off. What did he see far off? He saw the promise. What promise? promise that God will send his son to die in the land of Moriah on one of the mountains. Correct? And he embraced it. That means he... What did he, what did he do? He believed it. He believed it. How Let me prove it to you that how he, how clearly you can see that he believed it. Look at Genesis chapter uh, twenty-two, verse four. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. See, our redemption happened on which day? It happened. It happened. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Right? He saw it. He saw it. He saw the promise. He saw that Jesus died and rose again. Correct? That is why the Bible says, uh, Hebrews chapter says, Abraham was not even worried about sacrificing Isaac. He said, I know that he would be raised up from the dead. Where did he get this idea of raising up from the dead? Because on the third day, he saw far off this promise of Jesus dying and rising up. So he's like, he, God just showed in the whole picture. And look at the response of Abraham immediately after this verse. After this third day, what happened? What is the first thing that he did in verse 5? Abraham said to his young man, stay here. And he, he, he brought the young man with the donkey to help him to go up to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. But something changed. Something changed. And look at what Abraham did. Stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, why? Why? Because till then he was, he was, he, he was in fear of God. He said, like, God you're asking me my son, I'm going to do it because I fear you. Not that I love you, but I fear you. I fear you, I'll prove it to you, okay? But he went, but after God showed him the uh, vision, he said, relax guys. Now we are just going to go to worship. Hallelujah. Now you all just sit here. We are going to worship and we are going to come back. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's no more about my son. It's about Jesus and God's son. Hallelujah. He's going to look at what the next one he did then Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering laid it on his son and he took the fire in his hand and they went together and verse 7 look at the response Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said my father who said my father Jesus on the cross right here he said my father so Jesus there is that same son Isaac correct but who's really the Isaac that God wanted right not the Isaac the son of Abraham he said my father and what was God doing The father's response to Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God did not respond to Jesus on the cross. You see? But here did Abraham respond. Here I am my son. Because it was never about him. Correct? Here I am my son. Because we are accepted in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Look, the fire, that means the judgment, the wood, the body. The wood is the type of body of Jesus Christ. The Bible and always in the scripture you say wood is the body, the body. The body, the body, the body, the wood. We are made like wood, correct? The body. So the, the body is here, the judgment is here. But where is the land for the burnt offering? So Abraham should have said to Isaac, he should be truthful, correct? you are but <laughs> I mean, remember he just had a vision he said it's not about your land it's about I've seen far off it's about God's son correct he said and that's why Abraham could not explain everything to Isaac he said what did he say my son God will provide for himself God will provide for himself that's why the word himself is so powerful in the gospel and in the Bible God himself every you have to do a Bible study on the word himself in the Bible there are so many references of he himself, he himself, he himself, reiterating, God never has to say he himself. It's like a, it's like a I don't know what the word in English it says for repeating the two things same times again. Huh? Redundant. It's redundant in a sense, but there's an expression for it in English. Why do you have to say the two things two times? but God wants to make a point that he will do it not your arm that stretches out to take from the tree of life he himself will do it he himself and look at the word himself he himself will provide he, he will provide for himself the land not all land because there's only one land not all land the land there's only one land there's only one lamb. Only when John the Baptist looked at Jesus and says, Behold, a lamb. Behold, the lamb. Finally, the lamb showed up. But Abraham saw the lamb far off and embraced it. Embraced it means he made it his own. Like he, Jacob went on, put on Esau's clothes and went to Isaac. He made Esau's clothes his own. He went to Isaac saying, I am Esau. So you have to come in Jesus' clothes. You have to come taking the name of Jesus and you receive the firstborn blessing. Because his work is finished. The Bible says, I smell the game of my son. I smell the work of my son in Christ Jesus. That's how God smells it. And he says, this is God himself. And then God, and he stretched out. And I'm telling you, this would if you were there when Abraham laid out his son and stretched out on the law the Bible says he bound his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. But remember the wood was split. Correct? The wood was split. So when he laid out and bound him, how did he bind him on the split wood? In the same picture as Jesus was on the cross. But on the cross he was nailed with our sins. Amen? and then Abraham stretched out his hand and took his knife to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called out to him from Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham, first time double name mentioned in the Bible first time, Abraham, Abraham that is a powerful truth is about to happen, very powerful truth Abraham, Abraham, he says, here I am he says, do not lay your hand on the land do nothing, do anything to him for now, I know that you love God that you Fear God. You truly are God. Not love God. See, God is not giving credit to Abraham on how much he loved God. God is giving him credit. That means he, he respects God. He fears God. For him to do it. That you have not withheld your son, your only son from him. But that is enough. Because now it proves something to you for Adam and Eve. That if God is willing To give up his only son, the son that he loved, in the land of Moriah, on one of the mountains that God had prophesied. What does that say to Adam and Eve? That I fear you or I love you. What does it say to Adam and Eve? That I love you. Because God has nothing to fear Adam and Eve. God loves that is why Romans, you remember that he said, For God, if he who gave his only begotten son, how will he not, along with that, freely give? See, because now God has a method to convey his love for man. See, now, he, he had a tough time in the garden of Eden to share to man how much he loves him. Because how can he show it? He can show it, he cannot show it. The tree of life is there, but the redemption is played. But he cannot show it, he had to wait. To show when Jesus died. He says, so whenever you doubt whether God loves you, it's never about your love for Him. That is why the Bible and John, and I don't have time today, it's so powerful, and you should go back to see John chapter 4, go back and read it. He's talking about perfect love, cast out fear. It's not about your love for God. It's about your realization of God's love for you. Remember your opinion of God matters. I'm telling you your opinion of God matters. If you do not... Lie, that's why Jesus in John chapter 17 says, Father, I have declared your name and I have declared your love for them. Only Jesus, when he came, for the first time, to could declare to man how much God the Father loves them. That is why he told Nicodemus, for God so loved the world. See, for the first time, God is, God doesn't use the word love easily. You know, I love you. The first time he used the word love was when he mentioned about his son Jesus in this passage. He says, because if I'm going to use the word love, it should mean something to you. So when, when, you, when, you, when, God, when you hear, when I was, my, whenever I take my passage, Bible study for a team, my, my, my children always come and ask me, they say, Daddy, what are you taking today? What is this passage about? They'll always come. So today Josh came, Joanna came. Josh came first and said, so what he said, I said, I'm going to speak about the love of God. So just, oh, okay, big deal. <laughs> big deal in the sense, oh, that is generic, you know. See, you see the thing? The love of God is, sounds very generic, is it? Because the word love is corrupted in our generation. When God says, I love you, he's saying, Jesus, Mount Moriah, the cross, how much I love you. And if I can love you that much, everything else is easy. Don't come to me now, you know, deserving anything else. Because I can bless you with this love. If you have fear in your life, it's because there is no perfected love. What perfected love? Perfected love casts out fear. That means your realization of the love of God. See, many times as believers we have been taught that it's about your love for God. Your love for God. Your love for God. No way! It's talking about your love for God. It's about God's love for God. See in this passage how careful the Holy Spirit is to tell Abraham that I know that you. I when I was studying this, Rajesh, I was like, Lord, there's a mistake out here. You should be telling to Abraham that you love me. I was saying, no, no, no. He's not giving him credit for how much he loved him. He's giving him credit for how much he. But God can use that, right? Because it releases God for the first time in covenant relationship. It releases God first time. Because if God had no authority to release his son unconditionally, because now man, by legally, had handed it over to Satan, correct? Remember, he was a king, he handed it over legally by act of his will, by eating of the covenant of good and evil, and he had to write it. He said, Here. So he had no legal right for God to now send a sacrifice. What legal right? He said, so he had to be in a covenant relationship. God says, okay, somebody can give them, give me their son, it will release me for me to release my son. That is why that demand of a son was never made from any other human being in history. Many times we study the passage and says we should lay our Isaacs on our altar. We should put our desires on our altar and suffer. Really, it's not really about that. Remember, it's nothing about the lad. It's about how much God loves us in putting his son on the altar. You see that? It's all about that, to show how much he loves us. How much he loves us. And we'll close uh, with John, First John chapter 4. And I want you to go back and uh, read that later. But uh, there's a lot of passages on this. But let's go to 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. And we'll close with that. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. Okay, 1st John chapter 4 verse 9. In this, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us. Look at that. Look at, look at this verse. I mean, you need to underline that verse and just mark it red. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God had sent his only begotten Son into the world that we may live through Him. See? The tree of life. That we cannot live through Him forever and enjoy. In this is love. Look at the verse 10. Look at that thing. We talk about the love for, uh, of a believer for God. He says, In this is love. Not that we love God. I mean, how clear it can be. Not that we love God. But he loved us and sent his son to Peter Mercy seat. Preparation is the same word there. Maasisi for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us. You see, look at the demand now. It's based on how much God loved us. We ought to love one another. Not because you love him. <coughs> okay. Look at verse 14, 16. I want you to read this very carefully. And we have known for the first time we have known and believed the love that God has for us. See, how did we believe the love? We believe that Jesus died for us. That God sent his son to die. That's how you believe in this love. Do you believe that God loved us so much that he sent his son? That's the belief. That's the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love. See which love? Abides in which love? Which love is he talking about? He abides in the love that God has towards us. Then abides in love and God in him. And verse 17. Love has been perfected us in in this that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. This is such a deep deep verse if you ever have fear in your life let me repeat if you I mean yesterday you we were worried and fearful about something that you we were uh, discussing about and the Holy Spirit is telling you why do you have fear in your life that's the first thing that Jesus said when he was resurrected he told them do not fear because now I have gone through the mind field, correct behold I live forever correct now you don't have to fear no fear because now you believe now you just have to believe this Life right now is because we have not been made perfected in love. What love? We have not believed that God loves us. Same fear that Adam had in the garden that was hiding from him. He says, Now it's done, right? See, in the garden of Eden, God has no way to go and run to his children and say, Seriously, come to me. Don't be afraid. was complaining in the tents, in Deuteronomy you should go back, there was one of the verses in my study I didn't take it, it says, Moses is writing in Deuteronomy to Israelites he says, y'all murmured in your tents that God hates us <laughs> it's and therefore he brought us in the wilderness to kill us oh God, if Moses is telling Israel, he's telling them their thoughts, openly he's telling y'all murmured in your tents that God hates us and brought us in the middle. See their opinion about God all along, right when they left Egypt was, you know what? This is a deal, this is something that God has planned because He is going to kill us. Because He hates us. Why, he hate us. Why does He hate us? 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 Why did Israel think that God hates us? Because they were sinners. Man, well, these guys had they were they were blaspheming. they were worshiping idols in Egypt they were doing all the lifestyle of Egypt, they were under condemnation, how they make naked. How does God show? But yet, on the bottom of Mount Sinai, God gave him again the same two deals, the tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil. He told them the tree of life, I brought you out of Egypt with my own strong hand, my own strong hand, arm is Jesus, I brought you by this, I've healed you, I provided you water, I gave you bread. Do we have a deal? Do you want heat of this covenant? I'll take you into the land. Or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What did they do? They said that we will do the law. All that the law you have commanded we will do it. Asa. We will do it. That is so powerful. Man had a covenant in the garden of Eden. Same two covenants. Choose law. Did not change. God brought the two covenants again at the Mount Sinai because Abraham, he made him walk in the covenant of Jesus Christ. That's why the blessing of Abraham comes upon us Gentiles. Remember that? Because that is the blessing covenant. In the covenant in which he remembers our sins no more. Never remembers our sin because it's all paid up, correct? And he, he, he brings them back on the Mount Sinai and says choose this day. What do you want to do? He says, no, we will choose. We will do it on our own strength. 3,000 people died. Same day. The law came. Not the same day. The law came. Three thousand people died. Death started coming. Remember when they ate of the tree of life what happened? Eighteen specific curses came. And we just counted those eighteen specific curses. The sign and the number of a man. Six, six, six. Eighteen specific it's So powerful right? You counted. It's like eighteen curses that came upon us. We don't want to live under that. We don't want to live under thorns and thistles. We don't want to live under toil. toy. We don't want to live under the sweat. We don't have to live under pain. We don't have to live under subjection. We don't have to live under sorrow. Remember we don't have to live under fear. We don't have to live under nakedness. We don't have to live under the dust of the earth. We don't have to live under death. Free. When we eat of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Eat of Eat of him. Eat of him. Because now God can show confidently to the cross. For this is love. That is manifested in us. That it is not. We love God. Can't be more clearer, right? Whenever you say the love of God please. Don't equate love of God or for your love for God. It's very tempting to use that. Because you are going to fail. Even Peter failed. When Jesus asked Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus asked, kept asking him, do you agape me? Do you agape me? He asked him in Greek. He didn't ask him in English. He asked him do you agape me? Do you agape me? Peter kept replying what? I, I feel you, you. I feel you, you. Finally, Jesus asked him, do you feel you, me? He said, I feel you, you. So because he could not ever agape him, you cannot boast in your love for God. Because you are again, deser- depending on your, you are deserving to receive. Correct? You will receive death. You start receiving death. The fruits of your desert. Don't stop deserving. Stop deserving. Hey, are we taking the last time session again? <laughs> <today>? <laughs> stop deserving. But the, the message is your opinion of God matters. Why is it so important? Your opinion of God matters. I mean, when you are in your relationship, whether you sin, you don't sin, doesn't matter, because the mind field is clear. That's why Hebrew says, "Now come boldly." Just come boldly. And don't make this house of God a house of den of robbers. Remember, it's not a transaction going on out here. I bring in doubts, you give me salvation. You give me forgiveness. Don't come the transaction into my house. He drew all of them out. Come to me as a house of prayer. Come and ask freely. That's why the Bible says, ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked. Right? In the old covenant, no mercy. You cannot cannot come in the old covenant and say, Lord, just forgive me. No. You cannot ask that. You couldn't ask, but Jesus says in chapter 17, 14, 15, 16, 17, he says, ask. You've never asked up till now. Ask what you want and you will receive. So boldly ask. You've never asked stuff in your life because you've always been afraid that I don't deserve it. Correct? Ask boldly. Let, the, let it come freely to you. And don't stop it by depending on your works. Amen? telling you, in your healing, your healing is purchased on the banquet table of Jesus Christ. Right? any fear or torment in your life it is it is it is a false report paid up blood blood paid up when you see blood somebody's paid the price it's paid up paid up so when you're sick in your body constantly I don't care I'm telling you I don't care whether you feel it like it or not keep saying take communion because when you take communion what are you saying I remember that it has been judged on the cross I remember it has been paid up in the cross. I remember. See, don't take communion as an act of work. <laughs> you know, sometimes man has this ability to even convert even grace into kind of work, right? Because, you know, I, I do communion four times a day. You know, again, I made my covering. No, 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 no. The communion is in Eucharist. That means Thanksgiving. I thank my God, right? I thank Him. I thank him because it's paid up. I thank him. So when you see sickness in your body, in your children's body, don't care. Don't go by the leaves that you see. Remember. Embrace it as Abraham saw far off and embraced it. And his son was spared. Isn't it? Correct? He received a son as is back from the dead. Right? You, he, you saw it far off, embrace it. You know what the best part is? The Bible says as he went and then he came back, and the, you the full story, we didn't go back. He took up his hand, and the angel stopped them. He put his hand, and the Bible says, <coughs> Abraham looked back and saw a ram in, in the bush. Correct? It was behind him. Why? Because God had already prepared it from the foundation of the world. Jesus' sacrifice. See, when the tree of life in the Garden of Eden... The payment for the tree of life was already purchased before the foundation of the world. Foundation. The Bible says in Job when he laid the foundations. God is asking Job, were you there when I laid the foundations of the world? He's not talking when uh, the trees were happening. That is way, way, go back. God is telling Job, go back. Were you there when I laid the foundation of the world? Why is he so... Co- why does he want to point you to the foundations of the world? Because something else happened during the foundations of the world. The Lamb of God was slain. I mean, we never understand this, right? How did the Lamb of God was slain? at the same way where the Lamb was behind Abraham. The sacrifice was being done. But it was manifested to us only in his son Jesus Christ. See, that's where the, he, first John chapter 4 says, in this is love, it's manifested to us that God sent his son to be appropriation for us. Hallelujah! If God so loved the world, uh, loved us and he has not freely given us, if God be for us, and he, who can be against us? And he who has freely given us Jesus, will he not along with that, along with that, freely give us all things? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Freely give us all things. Get ready for all things in your life. Get ready for all things. Get ready for all things. I'm getting ready for all things. So that you know, the greatest days of victory are here. And we are going to talk about some things about these times that we are living in. One of these times. We are we are getting ready. These are the days of Noah. One day he, he's gonna call us into the ark. Seven days he's gonna wait. It's so beautiful. One is to a picture of Noah and study. You'll be so excited to see the picture of Jesus in Noah. Last time we studied the picture of Jesus in Noah. Esau, today we saw the picture of Jesus and the church in Adam and Eve. We saw the picture of Jesus in the Ark of the Covenant in the Garden of Eden. (coughs) Have you ever thought of the Ark of the Covenant in the Garden of Eden like this? We saw the picture of Jesus everywhere. We are going to stack out the picture of Jesus in Noah. I was so excited when I told Milo. Because I can see the times exactly how it is planned. When the trumpet is going to sound. When we are going to get into Noah. And the Bible says the animals and his family went to Noah. Because we are going to go to Jesus and Noah is a type of Jesus because no the word means rest Jesus is our rest our Sabbath right and he says and he waited seven days for the flood to come till seven days we were when the earth is in turmoil seven days we will be hiding in the chamber with Jesus Isaiah prophesied the same verse hallelujah we are exciting and that thing is gonna happen very quickly it's gonna happen quickly. But I'm saying is we are gonna see the pictures of Jesus in minute, But get ready for your greatest years are ahead. Hallelujah. It's, it's right now. The latter these brothers and sisters, the latter year, the, the reign of the latter year is here. This is it. You know, when Jesus came the first time, they missed it. Because it was not it was not looking as glamorous in the sky. Because they were looking for signs, big signs in the sky, correct? But the sign came as the sign of Jonah. A man, a carpenter's son in Nazareth. Lived a perfect life. Went and died on a Roman cross. Like other prisoners. But yet this son, man was the son of God. They missed it. But all of Jerusalem was shaken for the things that happened. They knew it. But it happened afterwards. Correct? We are living in the times where the times are clear. And we're living in the times where God's abundant grace and power towards you is getting manifested. Because he, you, you are not in your righteousness, but in the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. So you get ready and just enjoy. Have boldness to come into His presence. Just enjoy Jesus. I'm telling you. Hey, what better thing do we have in this world? I mean, Jesus is the Remember, God had a tough time. So let me ask you this question again. How will God show Adam and Eve that He loves them? How will he show them? How will he show them? How will he show them? He actually did show them. You know how he showed them? After they were naked, he removed their fig, fig leaves because they had to strip out their righteousness and their coverings that they were trying to cover with. He took a calf or a goat, we don't know what. The Bible says either one. Uh, because the, in, the, in the temple that's what they would do. Uh, c- 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 slay it and, and clothed him completely because since, you know what all Adam would have seen is uh, God what is this this is blood flowing all around remember when Jacob went in Esau's clo- uh, uh, clothes above his clothes what did he wear the goat skin that he had just Prepared the meal for. See, not only he ate Jesus, but he had to wear his skin dripping with blood. And he had, he had to be clothed in his blood. And because you would look at that and say, Somebody had to die for me to recover. That's how God would say, You know what? This is my son who's going to come one day. As he had told Abraham when he took his son as chief and God the Father in all his mercy as he was getting down and clothing him. You know, can you believe? Okay? I can't even say the words to say that Will you ever ever imagine a picture of a father killing his son skinning him and putting his skin on your murderer right? you, can't, you, can't even, you can't even imagine which is exactly what the father did in the garden of Eden because he was you think he was he was, he's, not, he's not thinking about it when he's dressing Adam and Eve with this blood-drenched skin. He's thinking about Jesus. He's about Jesus. He says, if I can skin my son and clothe you, how much more will I not freely give you all this? We can never even think. The father says, "That's what I, I love you. So don't ever come to me and say, I don't love you. Don't ever say, and fear because he says if I can give this, I can give everything. What is house and jewellery and cars and jobs and relationships? I can give all things. I can give all things. I can give all things. That is the power of God. And this is love manifest. And this is love manifest. And this is love is so Isaac could say, my father. And Abraham would turn and say, Yes, my son. But when Jesus said, My God, my God, there was only darkness on the other side. Because father couldn't. Had to turn back. But finally, the good news is, we are now seated. The minefield has been cleared. Hallelujah. The minefield has been cleared completely. We can go, walk boldly into his presence. Because now the cherubim's anger judgment is satisfied. There is blood all over the place. Hallelujah! And therefore Jesus says, come handle me. Right? It's all paid up. Right? It's all accepted. The father has accepted. That's why he told Mary Magdalene, don't touch me now! I have to go to the father and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. He didn't say that words because that's exactly what the high priest is supposed to do. Pay the price but take the blood. And go into the Holy of Holies and present the blood over the mercy seat. So the father had Jesus had to go to the mercy seat and says so when finally he went and then came back then he came to the inner room and he said handle me you see now touch me because what it's been accepted this is the divine receipt now you can walk only to Best Buy or circuit city is not there or Walmart and take your delivery Resurrection is the receipt for you. Hallelujah. Paid up. Work boldly. Ask what you will. Ask. It's the son's name in my son's game. Amen. His work is finished. No longer with your efforts. I'm saying all things become suddenly easy. Because you're not going. I mean, what do you go to with this great God and say, I did this, I did that. Seriously. It's easy to receive right now. Easy to receive. Start receiving. Start believing. Start learning to receive. Thank you, Jesus. So Abraham walked in this second covenant. Second covenant. He walked in it by faith. That is why even when he did a lot of mistakes, he did a lot of mistakes, right? He called it his wife, his sister. He did kinds of stuff, you know. But he married. He went married. Better uh, had a child with Hagar in, in impatience. Did God ever rebuke him? Because in this covenant, it's been paid up. It's been paid up. He's boldly. That's why the Bible says God called Abraham His friend. He was constantly walking boldly into His presence. In fact, even when Sodom and Gomorrah was being judged, God said, "How will I hide this from?" How will I hide it? There's no hiding. See, then suddenly there's no hiding going on around here. You see, because this—he's walking in the second covenant of Christ Jesus by faith. There's no hiding. Everything is open. He calls his wife, sister, open. He sleeps around with his uh, Egyptian maid servant, open. Everything is open. Because Jesus said to Nicodemus, He who is in the light comes boldly to the light. Because he's talking about he who accepts Jesus. Because his deeds are done in the light. Are his deeds all good? Not necessary. But because it is in the light, it is paid up. So now in Christ Jesus even though when you are a sinner you must have done all kinds of stupid things but you are not hiding from him because there is nothing to hide because it's paid up. You see the boldness that you can come because now no longer is this business of running away. I'm saying don't run away. Now you know how much God loves you. God loves you. Let that word love have a new meaning in your life. God loves you. I want you to close your eyes and just say it to yourself God loves me God loves me He loves me My Father loves me He has sent His Son He paid His ultimate price for me and therefore He delivered up only son, the son that he loved. Son that he His clothes, he, he delivered it up for me. Therefore God has a church that has been born from the side of Jesus. And this church, Jesus says, you are the flesh of my flesh and the bone of my bones. Will a wife ever stay away from her husband? No. She is the flesh of her flesh and bone of our bones. Jesus says, now you are in me. I am one with you. Therefore, ask what you will. That your joy may be complete. Father, I come before your throne of grace. Oh Lord, I thank you Lord for your Holy Spirit. And his word so powerful, so tender, so comforting. Not condemning. Displaying so sweetly. The love of you. Love that the Father has. And the same love, you have shared it for me. Because if you could give up your son, that shows how much you love me. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this great love that you have shown for us, Yeshua. Thank you, Lord, the great love. Great love, Father. Great love. Lord, you always remember the love of Jesus. But Father, we today recollect the love of the Father, the Father's love for us was willing to give up his only Son. Father, how will you not, along with that? how will you not Lord? How will you not along with that, freely give us all things? Therefore, Lord in Jesus' name, Father, let there be a release of all things into this people's life, Pastor. My brothers and sisters and their children's life, all things release right now in Jesus' name. Get ready, get ready. There's a powerful move of the Spirit right now. (coughs) And the Holy Spirit is going to mark by signs and wonders the giving of this word. That God is exceedingly pleased with the work of His Son Jesus Christ. And because you have believed in this love, says the Lord, therefore all things are yours in Christ Jesus. Get ready. Ask what you desire. Be in a position to receive it. Just say thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. The next seven days. God is going to open doors that were shut. That were shut by you. Because you refused to open it. Allow God to flood his goodness for you. Open it says the Lord. I stand outside the door. Waiting. Because I am inside with you. But all things. That you wanted is outside. Open the door to the great abundance that's flowing in your life. Health, victory, power, grace, peace, favor, joy, happiness. Father, receive. Let them receive into their lives in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Get ready. Get ready. The Lord says, peace, unsurpassed peace shall now start flowing into your lives in Jesus' name unsurpassed peace, peace like you never had, the turmoil that you ever felt when you thought about some situation, that turmoil is going to go away so easy, because you are going to receive of this love that I have for you I love you, says the Lord I love you I love you I love you my son, I love you my daughter, receive eat of me, says the Lord eat of me right now, eat of me eat of me right now eat of me right now Eat of me right now. Eat of me right now. Hallelujah. You're going to serve communion right now. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Jesus said when he was on the earth. I must walk the works of him. While it is day. For night is coming that no one can work. The Lord was telling me the other day, "Until the night is the time that you're living in right now." I have finished the work. You cannot work right now. You have to rest in Christ Jesus. For this is the night that you, Jesus said, "I." You have to enter in the labors of Jesus Christ. The finished work. Jesus has worked. They found the road of Emmaus, and the two <coughs> disciples walked with Jesus. Finally, they came, and they went into his house. And the Bible says, "And the day was far spent, and they sat down and had communion with Jesus. Because when the night has come, there is no more working. When Jesus is here, there is no working. Don't work." Because the day that Jesus had to work is over. It's been done for you. Enjoy, says the Lord. For the Son of Righteousness is with you in the night of your season, says the Lord. Thank you, Master. And be seated with him right now and have communion with him. Eat him. Eat of him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. So receive communion. You don't do communion. You don't... You don't do it with your hand. You don't do it with your uh, strength. You receive it. You receive it because you are receiving the finished work of Jesus Christ. As Jesus broke the bread. And it reminded them. He says, remember this covenant. Remember this covenant. Remember this covenant. Remember, this covenant. remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember the sacrifice. How much God loves you. You have to take this bread. Remind yourself. This broken body. When you break it. Break it. Remember the body of Jesus Christ. Was broken for you. Say thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Father. For sending your son. Thank you Jesus. For lying on the altar. And dying for us. For bearing the Christ. Thank you Jesus. Lord all things all oh, things O oh Lord may we remember this O oh Master all oh, things Lord is ours in Christ Jesus go ahead and receive it okay? thank you Jesus thank you Master thank you Master hallelujah hallelujah Paul said in Hebrews every covenant has to have a, a shedding of blood without the shedding of blood there is no remission of Every covenant was marked by shedding of blood. When the Ten Commandments, when the law was given, the priest took blood and sprinkled it on the people and on the book. When Abraham entered into the covenant of Jesus Christ, God said that circumcise every male in your house and therefore there was a shedding of blood in that day of covenant. Jesus says This is the circumcision, the blood that was shed in this new covenant. The same blood which was a sign, the circumcision was a sign of the blood that will one day be shed by Jesus Christ. And this blood of the covenant is a sign that the blessing, remember brothers and sisters, this blood is a sign that the covenant that God has with your eldest brother Jesus That all the blessing of the elder brother is coming upon you. Undeserved favor is going to flood upon you. I am not going to look upon your sins to judge your, your blessings. I am going to see the blood of my son Jesus and flood you with everlasting favor, says the Lord. Everlasting righteousness. Therefore, bring this cup, says the Lord. And remember my covenant undeserved kindness undeserved favor in Jesus name Jesus name, drink this cup drink this cup thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you master, thank praise God thank you Jesus, thank you hallelujah, thank you Jesus get ready for undeserved favor from flooding your life hallelujah, not because of the covenant of the law but because of the covenant in blood that Jesus accomplished for us hallelujah Hallelujah! get ready for undeserved favour Thomas and Millie get ready for great increase that God is going to open doors great increase God is going to make you kings in this kingdom says the Lord millions and billions of dollars are going to flood in you not because of what you did not because of the work that you did not because of the price that you paid says the Lord but because of your, my undeserved favor towards my son Jesus, and because you believe my love, says the Lord. And my love is being perfected in you, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, let this love of Jesus Christ be perfected in you every day morning. Wake up in the morning and say, I believe the love! I believe the love! I believe the love! I believe the love! And healing is happening Rajesh healing is happening in your bodies healing is happening in the bodies of your children in the name of Jesus because the mice firstborn was killed therefore your firstborn shall be redeemed my firstborn was killed therefore your firstborn will be redeemed says the Lord thank you Jesus the blood of the lamb is over all the places where you eat says the Lord today we ate Passover this was the passover cup that you partake of, and you take it, and your blood is on your board lintels where you eat. Because it is on your lintels, in your house says the Lord, I will pass over, says the Lord. And none of the diseases of Egypt shall come upon you. None of the evil, the toil of the Garden of Eden, the curse, the labor, the pain, the dust, the death, the the uh, uh, subjection, the nakedness. The spear with none of the verses of Eden shall touch your household, says the Lord. For you will walk with me, says the Lord. You will walk with me like Noah walked with me, like Enoch walked with me, and you will be of the remnant that remains, says the Lord, whose body is with earth, he the dust. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Are you all ready? For the promise that our bodies will not hit dust. Will be of the remnant that remains? That will be caught up with Jesus in the skies? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God, Jesus, turned to John and says, if I want that he should remain, what is that to you? Hallelujah! We are of the generation of John. Yohanan, the God of grace. We are of the generation of John whose body will not hit dust in the Lord. We shall remain and we shall be caught with him in the skies. Hallelujah. His coming is close, says the Lord, and he who has this hope purifies himself. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, Father God, I believe this love that you have for us. Hallelujah. We believe this love, O Lord. We believe this love, Jesus. We believe this love. So much love. Like John was called the disciple who God loved. Not who he loved. We are, Lord let us be called the disciples the children that God you love. Hallelujah. Father we believe this love. We believe this love O master. No fear. No fear. No fear. Say no fear. No fear. No fear. No fear. Say no fear. No fear. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you. We bless you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you. Bless you.